Penultimate of our five-star Meltzer matches. Not all together, unfortunately. We've got another year and a half to go yet for that. You really uh, sell this, don't you? <laughs> I'm, stu- I'm suffering from too much chocolate. Um, <laughs> don't make me run. But I'm it's full the, of chocolate. It's the, far, it's the penultimate match in the G1 Climax 2018, literally, and also of five-star matches. Because it's the Block B final. And it's a match long anticipated. Simon, what are we covering today? Uh, we are covering the collision of the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega taking on Kota Ibushi. And it's uh, it's a match that was loved so much by Dave Meltzer, he went beyond the gold standard of a five-star match by going five and a half stars for it. Yes, indeed. Platinum level, this is. So there's obviously a lot of history that we've covered ad nauseum from their time in DDT. Interestingly, the last singles match they'd had against each other was at the Budokan Hall. It was oh, the biggest yes. show that DDT had ever put on at that point. Yeah, I think they mentioned that, don't they? And um, what had happened during that match is that Kota Ibushi, the madman, had done a moonsault off of the bloody balcony. <laughs> and that was a high fall, let uh, me say that. And that actually got wrestling banned from the Budokan Hall for a while as a result. Oh, that's why they say he got banned. Right. Yes, the commentator does allude to that. I like that they did lift the oak, the Ibushi ban, but the balloon ban had stayed in effect. <laughs> well, Ibushi's never moonsaulted a turtle, to my knowledge, whereas balloons do obviously have a devastating impact on marine wildlife. So the funny story of this match is that during their DDT rivalry, it had always been that Ibushi was one and Omega was two in the promotion. Yeah. That Omega never beat them in the singles match. That match they'd had at the Budokan Hall, Obushi still won that. And then Omega had gone his own way with the Bullet Club membership and eventually becoming the leader of that group and eventually winning the G1 Climax, surpassing something that Coach Ibushi had never managed to do and also then winning the IWGB Heavyweight title. Not only surpassing something that Ibushi's never done, but basically no one was able to do for the longest time. Yeah. Um, And it's so... It's funny that... Within their own rivalry, it's Ibushi that will be the favourite, but within the context of who stands where in the wrestling firmament at that point, it's Omega that is the number one, and it is Ibushi that is the I'd say a firm number one, obviously, as well. I mean, obviously, Ibushi's an incredible talent, Mm. but people will be backing Omega for this pre-bell. But there's a sense also going into the match as well that Omega and Ibushi are both wary of doing this match, but then... Partly they're wary because of what they care about each other, but also they're partly because they know what they're capable of. Yeah. Because the, it escalates very quickly. Oh, God, They nearly yeah. had a trident at that point. <laughs> but you get what I'm coming from? Because it's like, it's like they know that they're going to hurt the other one. Yeah. And there is that regret, but then it's like, well, you brought this on yourself. They both have that feeling with one another. Like, at the start, Omega doesn't look happy. When he, when he um, hits him with a chop, there's regret in it. But then Ibushi kicks him and he's like, right, fuck it. <laughs> I think it's more... They are troubled at the start, but I think the um, the competition 
sharpens yeah. their focus. And that they care so much about what they want. You know, Obushi wants what Omega's achieved, and yeah. Omega's the one that's going to have to stop him doing that. And he wants to change the world. And Yeah, and Omega wants to be the IWG heavyweight champion that wins the G1 Climax, the first one to do it since Kensuke Sasuke in 2000. There you go. Like two, nearly two decades. Mm. Who wouldn't want that history? So, you're right though, they do very quickly start like hitting each other with big stuff. Like, yeah. Quite hard as well. Um, Kota's sort of a little bit backpedalling like the early on. Mm. And when he does hit his moves, uh, Omega does seem to have the answer. Yeah. So it's well, I think a lot adapt. of it is that both of them have the answer to each other because they've trained together so much. They are essentially of a same philosophy, and of a same style and technique. Yeah. That they know what the other one's going to do because it's what they would probably do. <laughs> what would I do in this situation? Right. Got it. Well, it's like that great line that Jerry Lawler has during the Bret Hart-Owen Hart match where he says, Owen knows Bret better than Bret does. He knows what Bret's going to do before Bret knows it. Yeah. Because obviously, well, Owen's been... T- it's like, you taught me everything you know, but not everything I know as well. But you, yeah, sort of. But it is that sense of like, well, I would go for a big move here, or I'd go for a high-fly move here. Ah, that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. God, and like, just like tune Like, they're both the hitting frequency. Snap Hurricane Runners. They're both hitting uh, their, their trademark uh, drop kicks into the corners, and, and they're hitting big high-flying moves to the outside. They're both blocking each other's moonsaults. Yeah, yes, exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, but then, obviously, we, we got start to go into... So pro- they're mirroring each other. Yeah. And then we go into, like, proper, proper getting hurt territory when Kenny hits that package pile driver right onto the edge. Oh, man, that is brutal. Oh, especially... And the... again, it's that sense of they, they, they're pushing wrestling so far in, in also the danger of what it is. Yeah. Certain move, most moves when they do the uh, slow motion replay, they really have to like let the commentators talk about it more because sometimes slow motion takes the shine off. Mm. This did the opposite because you see the angle that Abushi lands on his neck; it's not yeah. flush. And oh, it's but just... even before that, Simon, like when it goes outside for the first time, Ibushi knocks Omega to the outside. Omega dodges the Pescado and then hits, and then immediately push like rams. Ibushi into the rails and then body slams him on the edge of the apron. Yes. The stuff that he was doing to Tetsuya Naito, a man that he despises Hates, essentially yeah. within the wrestling match, he will still do it to a man that he truly loves. Yeah. Ibushi's uh, like neck and spine, if it lasts to old age, will be nothing short of a miracle. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's just, and, and Omega's able to stop the golden triangle, and that's when they, they get to the apron fights. Um, uh, which Abushi uh, and it's like Abushi tries it as well. He tries to go for his apron German suplex, yeah. and that's what that's what allows Omega to get him up in the tombstone position. So it is like you can't complain. You were going to try and drop me on my neck from the second row. Yeah, you're going to launch me onto the mat. Um, but then uh, Kenny is just obviously after the package pile driver is just ex- exuding the control. He's he's in the zone. He it doesn't seem anymore like he's a, he's not affected anymore. He yeah. seems to be. Well, Almost I... enjoying it. Omega's played this whole tournament as he's the best in the world. Yeah. And because Okada's also played the whole tournament like he doesn't, he's not fully there yet mentally. Yeah. That is believable. And um, and, Okada, and Omega has dominated most matches. Like we say, the only one that really got anything on him was one that just brutalized him. Like yeah. Omega's going into this uh, on a record of six and two. 
I can't remember who he lost his other match to. I think it might have been Bad Luck Farley, actually. I might be wrong there. Um, whereas Ibushi's fighting from underneath. He's going in on five and three. So again, if Omega holds out on the time limit, then Omega wins. So Ibushi has to be the aggressor, and yet it's Omega that's able to control the first half of the match. Yeah. But and then... Ibushi has to win like just purely to get to the same points total and it's only on the head-to-head that will get him through as well. Yeah. Because as it stands at that moment, Omega, Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. are all on 12 points. And Omega has head-to-head wins over both of them and he also has... And, and Zack Sabre Jr. actually had surprised Naito by winning earlier on in the night. Ah, okay. So... And I think Naito had a win over Ibushi. So if Naito had won that, then he would have been uh, uncatchable. Right. Uh, except unless Omega had beaten Ibushi and then Omega would have won through head-to-heads. So Zack Sabre was a bit of a surprise. Like, again, Naito's own story is going to continue in its own way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ibushi's has got this whole thing that, like, um, he's come close, but he's almost, like they said, he's his own worst enemy. Like, Tanahashi criticises him for, like, following his own yeah. instincts that had seen him travel around the place, whereas Omega had focused entirely on New Japan and reached that summit before Ibushi, and Ibushi's like questioning himself and what he is, and maybe Omega's the one that's raising those final questions to him. Sort of like that relative that yells about you taking a gap, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Bit old man yells at Cloud from Tanahashi. <laughs> um, Do you reckon Ibushi responded with, OK, Boomer? So Ibushi keeps fighting out of the one-winged angel like everyone, although they do point out he's the one person that kicked out of the one-winged angel, but that was before it maybe reached its mega murder-death-kill status. Wasn't that in a DDT In a DDT show, yeah. yeah. And so I think the key turning point as well is when um, Omega hits the rise of the Terminator to the outside and then climbs the ropes to get Ibushi on the inside, but Ibushi's able to get up and and flip-kick him. Great. He is. That flip-kick is beautiful. Um... And then it's when they're battling on the top rope as for who's going to hit that big move. And you've got the young bucks who are out there for moral support, but their moral support now being like, guys, leave it. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's like, just stop hurting each other. Stop it. <laughs> Mummy and daddy are fighting again. They're fighting in the car again. <laughs> that music always sends a shiver down my spine. And it ends, you know, they're both going for power bombs and all sorts of crazy crap. And it ends with Ibushi hitting a top rope runner. And I mean a top rope runner, not the Omega sitting on the top rope. And then he jumps off with his feet on the second. Yeah. The, the the close thing to a safe Hurricane Rana you get off that hence that's how Scott Steiner now does his Frankensteiners when he busts them out <laughs> I'm talking Omega standing fully erect <laughs> <laughs> Ibushi's oh. a handsome man the worst part is you knew that was going to happen as well you were looking at me dead in the eyes when you did that and I still fell for it <laughs> oh uh. Uh, no one reacts in the same way when I say fully erect straight in the eyes to them. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh. And so that top rope Rana sends Omega to the outside where he hits his golden triangle again. You're right, he is just battering him. Um, Kenny, try, uh, Kenny does actually get him somehow into a one-wing angel position. And then the combo, the speed, the ferocity of the combination that he hits him with. Um, 
the big like, and as I say, he does that like double knee moonsault as well. Like, yeah, it's basically brutal. like oh, it just crushes his arms. Because it's one where you can't even really. I guess you can a little bit, but it's really hard for you to not to shift your weight to not hurt your opponents. Yeah, you got to take it on the shins, I guess. Yeah, but even then it's going to bloody hurt because he can't shift his weight anywhere other than onto his opponents, yeah. you know? Uh, it's not like Randy Savage hitting his hips to prevent someone being hurt from his elbow. True. Although he did once accidentally collapse Charles Robinson's lung doing that. Oof. Yeah. Um, but then it, and then it becomes about the Kamigoye, Kibushi's finishing move, yeah. which is a really cool looking move, but the funny thing is, because everyone's hands are... Otherwise indisposed, you don't get the very satisfying thigh slap sound yeah. effect when he does it. But you get like a, the dull thud, mm. which is sometimes more unsettling. Well, he's actually you know he's being hit with something at that point. Yeah. Um. So uh, Omega's still able to dodge that, and then he hits a V trigger, uh, and a spinning heel kick sends Ibushi into the corner, allowing him to do his corner to corner V trigger as well. Oh God. And Ibushi just full on, like Ishii did, they full on take this, don't they? Like, the, he just gets smushed really into that turnbuckle. So this is the point where we get into the insane exchanging of huge moves. Bloody huge moves. Great big whopping moves. Uh, where, and, uh, <laughs> so there's like, uh, Omega looks for a snapdragon, Ibushi backflips to his feet and they both hit each other with a lariat. And Okada hits kicks to Omega, so Omega replies with a V-trigger. Uh, uh, Ibushi hits a snap German suplex. Omega pops up and hits a lariat from that. Then Ibushi hits a last ride for a long two count. Then he hits the Kamigoye for an even longer two count. Brings the knee pad oh, down. Oh, that moment where the crowd are like, Because it's also, it's running your own risk as well. Like you're exposing yourself yeah. to... It's like sacrificing bone to defeat someone. But that just further cements that, that even though these two care deeply about each other, it's got to the point now. When the knee pad came down, that's Kota saying, I'm just going to have to hurt this man as much as possible. I yeah. And deal with the fact he's my friend later. And maybe even more so because we both have that same desire to win to the point that we will risk it all. Yeah. Um, so then Ibushi's hitting a low kick and a high kick, but Omega's able to duck the high kick and hit a V-trigger. Again, the timing that Omega has with these V-triggers are just out of this world. He nails them. All the Everyone. There's, there's rarely ever a bad-looking V-trigger. Yeah. I think he knows that. That's the problem a little bit. But does he go to the V-trigger too often? Because I've got so many V-triggers noted in this point. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. In this final stretch, he does go to that well One, two, lot. three, four, five... I've got five notes of V-triggers over five lines of my notes. Either dodged or hit. Yeah, I've got six. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I have got five. Sorry, I tell a lie. But there's probably... I feel like there's one I've missed. Uh, Abushi goes for the Phoenix Splash, his other big finisher, which Omega, just like how Okada did to Omega, is able to dodge. It's almost like that's the old Kota Ibushi that has to be abandoned, like how when... Naito will go for yeah. a Stardust Press, and it's like that never won it for you. Do you know when he hits the Phoenix Splash? Uh, mm. Well, he executes the move, rather, because he doesn't hit it. Compared to the ones I occasionally see from, like, Seth, it feels like Kota's at, like, 1.25 or 1.5 speed, because <laughs> he rotates and, like, moves so quickly doing yeah. the move. It just shows his athletic ability really well. Yeah, yeah, maybe just the full body confidence and control that he has. I mean, just... if I looked like Kota Ibushi, I'd have body confidence. Yes. Um, and face confidence, and yeah, confidence. <laughs> height confidence, Japanese confidence. 
In terms of speaking. Wealth, or confidence, Wealth apparently, confidence, if the yeah. rumours are true. Um, yeah, so he hits a V-trigger to the back of the head as well, does Omega, after um, running into a head kick but dodging the Phoenix Splash. The J-Driller gets a long two count. V-trigger goes for the one-winged angel. Ibushi tries to turn it into a reverse Rana. And he um, catches him sort of like a... I don't, want, I don't know, like an upside-down gory bomb sort it's, of? Basically, I've always seen it as like it's a variant of the Vertebraker. Yes, yes. Good shout. And every bit as dangerous looking. To be honest, they shouldn't have shot it from Omega's point of view. We should have seen what the fuck was happening to o- Ibushi's head yeah. and neck at that moment. Because it's such a horrifying move to see. No, I agree with that. It's a rare miss. It's really dependent on the taker being able to time and tuck there. Again, it's. I was never a huge fan of the Vertebreaker that was used by. Um, well, it was used as the Vertebreaker by Shane Helms, and it was called the Cop Killer by for homicide. homicide. Yeah. Because, again, it's one of those things like the Reverse Rana. It's so dangerous for the receiver, and it's the receiver that's got to, to do all of the work. Do the work. I guess you could also argue the styles clash in a way. Because a lot. Because the receiver, as long as they do it, but as we saw with people like Lionheart and Yoshitatsu and others. Yeah. The instinct of the wrestler to tuck, which they hopefully Ibushi did at this point. Again, we didn't get to see it. Yeah, but I think it's also maybe the fact because it's not a trademark move; it's something just for this match. Um, it's got the its... cameramen wouldn't know to go there. True, or the um, editors wouldn't know to go there. I mean, with most wrestling moves, it's the recipient that does the work, but you are fully trusting. Yeah. Your uh, opponent there, but like if you're doing like a Michinoku driver or a Tombstone, you know it's the Undertaker that can be trusted until you're Aiden English, yeah, to do it properly. Um, yeah, I mean obviously things happen in all moves, but this one is especially like you are rolling the dice. Mm. So yeah, he does the traditional setup to the finish of the big epic Omega match where he V triggers him into the ropes. Then he goes for a second rope V trigger. Yeah. Which Ibushi is... Uh, no, sorry, he's going for a second rope one-winged angel. Yes. Again, like, pushing it so much further. And Ibushi then turns it into... I know it's because, obviously, he wants to make sure he doesn't drop Ibushi, but the way he slowly yeah. rises up the ropes as well just adds... Tension. Edge. Yeah, and adds so much tension to the move at that Because point. this is usually the point where the guy's out, but Omega knows I've got to go even higher. You know, I've got to do an even bigger move than it took me to beat... Okada. Yeah. Because obviously in his head he's like, this man proper kicked out. Okada got to the rope. Okada didn't kick out. Yeah. Um, But so what does Ibushi do to escape? He's literally on the shoulders of Kenny Omega. Jumps up and double stomps him in the back of the head. Incredible. Like, I know I say that word a lot, but truly, truly incredible move. They go back up to the ropes... Again, off the top, not off the second, off the top rope, Ibushi hits a Tiger Driver. Since it's so hard that it, Omega essentially bounces off and could have put him in a cradle. Yeah. Like, that almost looked like that was going to be the spot. And I don't think that was intentional. Oh, because you it was. That yeah, and cool. Ibushi just pushes him back, gets a long two count off of that, and then Kamagoye, three count, Ibushi is your winner. And um, a lot, a lot of post-match hugging, yeah, crying, ice packs, getting grooms. Yeah. <laughs> um. Some people 
Jim Cornette will have hated everything about <laughs> this match. I think he'd have hated their tag match more. Maybe. Um, are you like siding with Jim Cornette? No. There were moments where I was thinking, is it just big move, big move, big move, and there's no... Like, they could have... They, they actually underplayed. When you look at how much they over-egged, to my opinion, the uh, Young Bucks-Golden Lovers match, where they're just yelling at each other and acting for half the match. And Kota's just there, like, why aren't we kicking each other? They don't, yeah. they uh, Maybe that's Ibushi's way of doing things. Ibushi just relies on a few facial expressions and not yeah. so much the yelling, And we'll, as we'll see in the next match with Tanahashi. He does have a really great, confused, slash shocked reaction, yeah. Kota Ibushi. I will say that about him. Are you going to give it five stars? Ah, no, you did this last episode. Yeah. I think you've got to go first here. I know my answer. Like, and it's not dependent on what your answer is. See, it's like, it implies that there's shame in whatever the version of whatever it would be for me that would be like four and a half or four and three quarters. And that's where I'm going to go. I'm not going to quite give it five stars. Because also I think they know they want to do something even bigger. Because they only get 22... Like, they, they would have wanted a Wrestle Kingdom main event yeah. that would have gone 45 minutes like an Okada match. In many it? ways, it's a, sh- a shame that that hasn't happened. It may yet, one day. You never know. One day. Uh, I am going to give it five stars. <laughs> <laughs> that was me smacking my gob. Because uh, well, it's really... It's phenomenal. And Kosa goes... Above and beyond the I have no quarrel. I think I'm probably being the, the, the arsehole in this situation. There's a first time for everything. Um, <laughs> by not going fully five. Um, I I can see... It feels like it's the first act of a longer story. Yeah. Or, I... or, or, or a middle act of an even longer story. Yeah. I can see where you're coming from. And it's not... Because obviously each... It, it's not a massively controversial opinion, and it's still quite a high rating you're giving it. So, mm. each to their own. Whatever that rating is. Yeah. Uh, would you go five and a half? <laughs> not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. These guys to 11. Why don't you just make 10 be the loudest, make that a little louder, and then that's the top. But this These guys to 11. <laughs> um, but Simon, what is going to cap all of this off? We've been building up to it. Two mini trilogy, one mini trilogy within itself, another mini trilogy, and it's the Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix Part Two, <laughs> or Mega, the whole bloody saga. I don't know. What well, have we got? Well, we, it's pretty obvious if you put two and two together. I was going to say the keen eared will know this, but it is the final. It's Kota Ibushi one night or after getting the hell beaten out of him. Um, taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi. And it is also not only not a five-star match, Sai. This is a five-and-three-quarter-star match. Whatever that means. It's a tiny cherry on top of the cherry on top of the cake. If people want to get in touch with you and talk about cherries and uh, ice cream situations, how can they do so? And they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm sewn under Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of ice cream flavours in a Neapolitan. My name's Lorca Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple Pie, N for the N in Knickerbocker Glory. That's my Twitter handle, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd. If you contact me via email, just put an at gmail.com at the end of Lorca Mullen. Uh, buy my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. Um, get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. If you want to listen to me talk about bad British movies, then look up Best of Worst of British Bob Pod. 
Uh, but there's nothing left for me to say at this point. Is there anything for you other than my name's Lorcan Mullen? And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five and a half star time. Until the next time. All I want is to fly with you. All I want is to fall with you. So just give me all of you. It feels impossible. Is it impossible? See that it's possible. How do we?